Welcome to Benefits, What Like It's Hard? The podcast that breaks down the truths and misconceptions about all things benefits. Not only do we talk about what you should know about the benefits offered to you through your employer, but we also tackle topics on physical and financial wellness. I mean, come on, what more could you want from a podcast? Join me, Libby Allison, each week to hear from people just like you sharing their own experiences and experts giving us the inside scoop on the information we need to be successful. Hi, everyone. Welcome to today's episode. Today, we're doing kind of a part two to our last mental health podcast where we talked about how COVID-19 has affected everyone's mental health, really. Today, we really want to focus on how COVID has affected our mental health and what we can do to kind of make that better around the holidays, since a lot of our holiday celebrations and time with our family is going to look different this year. Um, I'm really excited because we have Dave Welsher, who manages the Employee Assistance Program at St. Elizabeth. On And then we also have Shannon Schumacher, who works for Haran, um, on the podcast today. So, Dave, why don't you go ahead and give an introduction to yourself, and then Shannon, I'll have you give an introduction, and we can just jump in. Okay, thanks. Um, as you said, my name is Dave Wasser. I'm a therapist and the manager at the Employee Assistance Program here at San Elizabeth. I'm an independently licensed counselor with my master's in counseling from the University of Cincinnati. I've been independently licensed for almost coming up on 25 years, working almost exclusively in employee assistance work. Okay, awesome. Shannon, do you want to talk about your role at Haran real quick? Sure thing. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Shannon Schumacher. I am an account executive with Haran leading our Kentucky market. And so I just like to give a shout out to St. Elizabeth and all that they do for the Northern Kentucky market. Um, you know, it's great to have them as a partner and so influential in our community. So Dave, we're glad to have you on and you know, thanks for being part of the community. Glad to be here. So let's just jump right in and we're going to hit this first question, um, which is what can people do to cope with changes in family gatherings and travel restrictions that may mean not being able to see or visit relatives or may mean that they have to see them in different ways than they have in the past? Great question. Uh, we're actually hearing it in session from clients. It's one of the things people are presenting. It's certainly not uncommon for clients to be presenting concerns about big family gatherings, lots of unresolved issues and complications that can come, but nothing like this year. Um, the logistics yeah. has never been this big of an issue. Uh, the first thing that we talk with clients about is be very clear with what you're comfortable with first. At least start there. Because it's not a, this is definitely not a black or white situation. People aren't either comfortable or not comfortable. It's definitely a continuum. And everybody seems to be a little bit different on that. So you first need to figure out exactly where you are, what you are comfortable with regarding how many people would be at the gathering, regarding travel, regarding whether or not you're going to wear masks the whole time. This has probably been the biggest challenge. Um, I'll just use myself as an example in uh, as a hypothetical one. While I may be uh, very cautious and be very mindful of my social distancing and mask wearing and all those things, I may have a, a sister and brother-in-law in their family who don't. So then what do we do? 
because now I'm yeah. uncomfortable with how, let's just say, cavalier they may be towards this whole pandemic compared to me and my family. And that's going to create tension, potential conflict. So first and foremost, be very clear on what you're comfortable with and what you're not. And then comes the really hard part, having that conversation with your family um, and being very open-minded, but also being very, I guess I would say firm on what your comfort level is and what it isn't to see what everyone else is willing to accommodate or not. Um, and being very clear that this isn't personal, this isn't about not wanting to be together, not wanting to share a meal. It's about your preferences, your prioritization of your safety and what you're comfortable with and what you're not. And making sure that that is abundantly clear. I think that's gonna be the biggest challenge for folks is negotiating with their family members where everyone is at and where they're willing to be at least on this day for these handful of hours together. And being okay with saying, I understand where you're at and that's that's what you're comfortable with. That's not That doesn't work for me and my family this year. And we're just gonna have to make other arrangements and we'll see you hopefully at Christmas or unfortunately probably looking more like 4th of July compared to Christmas. Um, so yeah. this may be a good time to also bring up Christmas because that may be another conversation. Um, and just know where you're at, know what your people you're gonna be hanging out with and having dinner with, what their activity level is, what their comfort level is and what precautions they're willing to take. Unfortunately, I don't think we're going to be able to do an outside Thanksgiving dinner around here in Northern Kentucky or Cincinnati. Um, so an outside meal is probably not going to work unless you really like eating in the cold. Um, so it's probably going to have to be inside and that creates challenges for a lot of people. And just real quick on the other side, if you are someone who is comfortable, who has been going to restaurants, who hasn't changed their life in any way, that's obviously your decision. But I really challenge you to be mindful to respect other people's decision who aren't as comfortable. And that doesn't mean that you and the family and Thanksgiving and all the traditions don't matter to them. It just means this day, at this time, they're not comfortable with it. I think that's great. I've been trying to like, just kind of put a big no judgment stamp on mm. everyone and everything. like everyone has different views and the rules and regulations are changing constantly. So it's hard to have a yeah. salt, like it's, it's fluid, it's changing all the time. So yeah, I think people just have to be understanding of people's opinions changing also. Yes. Would you yes. agree? hundred percent people, people's opinion change based on new information, based on spiking numbers. It also changed based on personal experience. I, I personally know someone who was, not as concerned about COVID until a family member got it and got very sick. And all of a sudden they became more concerned going forward. Yeah. And that's certainly understandable. But I've also known people who have gotten it and it was, you know, they felt a little uncomfortable for two days and then they were fine. Therefore, they are very comfortable going and coming and going and doing whatever. It's all a little different. Every time I talk about this, I'm remembered of the late great American philosopher, George Carlin, who said, when driving on the highway, Anyone going faster than you is a maniac, and anyone going slower than you is an idiot. <laughs> it's very true. It's very true. And so basically, all of us are in that same boat with COVID and how comfortable you are and how cautious you are. Everybody's either a maniac or an idiot, just depending on who you're standing next to at any given moment. And so try to be respectful of us maniacs and us idiots who, you know, who just live their life a little differently than you do. 
If I could jump on something that Libby said, you know, I feel like I'm in the same boat, the no judgment zone. Um, but what I found when having conversations with uh, people who have different opinions is there's the sense of anger in one side versus the other. And so do you perhaps have a, you know, just a general statement that can help calm the anger if, if I believe in one way and somebody doesn't or vice versa, you know, how you begin those conversations, you brought up the idea of, you know, have that tough conversation with your family. Yeah. And if you have some people who believe totally different than maybe somebody else, and then it starts to get into this heated conversation. I'm just wondering if there's some, you know, triggers that we can get people to calm down a little bit or, you know, have a, have more of the stamp. I like that Libby, the stamp of the no judgment, because I think it's very important to understand and be respectful of every opinion, whether you're driving slow or driving fast, um, or you're fearful or you're not fearful of COVID. That's a great question. I wish I had a great answer. <laughs> but honestly, it's funny you say that, which is why I have emphasized talking with your family or friends beforehand. Because what a lot, what a couple of folks I've seen, what their concern are is they're going to get to the family gathering and then they're going to learn about someone who was just out at bars and restaurants and whatnot the weekend before or yeah. even the night before, because Wednesday before Thanksgiving is the biggest bar night of the year. Right. And you're going to find out that, you know, these people were at the bar last night and then it's going to be a big problem. That's why I want, I, I'm really encouraging people to talk about it ahead of time. Uh, but to your specific question of diffusing some anger, uh, not engaging, quite honestly, once you've recognized, because I'm assuming this is someone you know fairly well, since we're talking about Thanksgiving, not engaging once you recognize that they're not being tolerant of your position. If, depending on the relationship, you can certainly ask them to be more respectful, somewhat directly. You know, I'm trying to respect your position. I'm just asking that you respect mine. It's just being different. It's not right or wrong in this situation. It's just different and everybody's got to live their comfort level. Quite honestly, using the joke about George Carlin is a great way to diffuse those kind of tense situations. I've yeah. used that example and people didn't laugh because it's just funny. Uh, and, and it's relatable. Funny, it's true. It's 100% right? true, right? Yeah. Yeah. Anyone who spends more money than me is irresponsible. Anyone who spends less money than me is a tightwad. I mean, we could go on and on, right? Yes. Yeah. And so yes. this is honestly no different. It just unfortunately has been so politicized and become such a hot button issue that not everyone is always in their logical, rational brain when this subject comes up and they're just they're leading with their emotions. And once you recognize that, humor is a great way to diffuse it. Um, but you know, once again, it kind of depends on the relationship you have with the person. That's a great suggestion, though. Just keep it light and keep it funny. Yeah. I mean, how I would talk to my sister is very different from how I would talk to my aunt. Yeah. You, you know I mean? it's, <laughs> right. It's a, little, it's a little different. So you got to kind of know your audience, I guess. But humor is almost always a universal way to kind of diffuse tension. And that's a good one to pull out. While we're talking about how to handle situations of conflict with family members, I, you know, I'm curious if you have any tactics for handling the situation when you notice that a family member is really struggling with mental health right now or just doesn't seem to be themselves or seems really down about the fact that things are different right now 
what can we do to help those people? That's a great question. Uh, and there's a really good chance you will if you're paying attention. Uh, and I encourage everyone to be paying attention, particularly for the folks that you may know who have been more isolated. Um, it's never good for humans to be isolated. We, we are social creatures by hardwiring. Um, and so when we isolate too much, we can live in our own head a little too much. And that often ends up being dark and confusing, unfortunately, for most of us. Um, if you notice someone might be struggling, don't be afraid to ask the difficult question. Don't be afraid to ask, you doing okay? Now, actually, let me back that up a little bit. Instead of just asking, maybe offer what you've noticed. You know, you seem quieter than normal, or I haven't heard from you in a while. I'm just a little worried about you. I know you've not been working from home. You've been isolating a bunch, which is understandable. Just want to check in with you. How are you doing? You know, what's the hardest part for you? Um, another trick is to make sure you're asking open-ended questions, not closed-ended questions. Because if anybody asks you, how are you doing? What do you say 99.9% .9 of the time? Fine, right? <laughs> fine and okay. Everybody's fine and okay, right? Don't accept that. You know, ask what's what's been the easiest part? Start with something positive. You know, what's been an unexpected surprise or, or pleasantry about um, what we've been doing? Because some people are really enjoying the isolation. You're a strong introvert. This is heaven. <laughs> you know, don't have to deal with, you have a perfect excuse not to deal with people. You're, you're, you're happy. Um, us extroverts like myself, hmm, a little harder, you know. Kind a of, lot harder, Dave. A lot harder. It's been a lot harder. Um, I miss my hugs from people. <laughs> and that's the one thing that I think most of us uh, here in the office have uh, kind of realized that what's so different about this than any other national tragedy, 9-11 being the most recent big example, we can't come together, which is our instinct in a crisis. Our instinct is to come together and connect and support and rally and help one another. Helping one another helps us, right? That's, that's all part of the yeah. system. Um, but we can't do that right now, not in the way we're used to anyway. Um, I can't tell you how important I think FaceTime is or, or Zoom or Teams or whatever it is, because it's different than a phone call. Seeing their face, seeing them smile, seeing them laugh as you hear them laugh, registers in us a little differently than just being on a phone call or a text message, which is what most of us do. I can't tell you last time I was on an actual phone call that wasn't work-related. You know what I mean? It's always text messaging. Well, maybe it's time to do something a little bit different. I'm sorry, back to your question, though, about mental health. The three most important things you can do are empathy, empathy, and then empathy. Um, offering some sense of validation that you get that they're struggling. And of course they are. A lot of people are struggling. That's not weird. Having an abnormal situation to, I'm sorry, having an abnormal reaction for you to an abnormal situation pretty much makes you normal, if you think about it in that context. So feeling a little depressed, feeling overwhelmed, feeling stressed, feeling a sense of failure because you're not doing anything to your normal standards, well, not to be glib about it, but duh. Do you know anybody who is? I don't know anybody who's thriving in this. Everybody feels like they're not being a good enough parent, they're not being a good enough employee, they're not being a good enough spouse, they're not being a good enough um, son or daughter because we can't do what we normally do. Uh, probably my favorite thing to come out of COVID from our office is uh, somewhat of a, just a little um, kind of smart aleck term or phrase, um, which we are prone to here. Um, 
you know, we had to change a lot of our processes and do things differently when this first happened. We had to do phone sessions instead of face-to-face. -face. That was night and day difference for us. And so we came up with this thing, well, it's not okay, but it's COVID okay. And that's just a way of acknowledging that, yes, we know this isn't the way we're supposed to do it. We know this isn't our preferred way of doing it, but it's the best we got. We're working yeah. the best with what we have. And I do think most people are doing the same thing whether that's helping your kid with homeschooling, which we're probably, a lot of us are moving back into. I know, <laughs> yes. My wife's a teacher and my daughter's a teacher. And so they, they are um, having similar uh, groans in size that you just made, which I totally understand. Um, so all these things have added so much more to, I also don't know anybody whose plate was pretty empty before March hit. Anybody? Right. Anybody have lots of free time they didn't know what to do with? Right. And then we just added all these other things. Um, so it is really, really challenging and acknowledge that it is validate that it's hard. Make sure they know you get that it's hard and it's okay if they're struggling. It's okay. My favorite question though, what's one thing I could help you with that would maybe help this suck less just a little bit because most people are struggling, feeling depressed, feeling overwhelmed. They don't want to talk about solutions and better so much, you know, because it seems so far removed from where they are. It seems almost unattainable because not many of us are seeing an end in sight to this thing, at least for the next couple of months. Right. Um, so downshifting to, OK, well, what would help this suck less? It validates that it sucks, but it has them focus on some kind of solution. And even if it doesn't work as well as you think, just identifying something that is solution focused helps us feel better. We love having a plan. We like having something we can do. We love it. What okay. are you seeing that people are doing to make it suck less? Any specific things that people have been successful with? Uh, yeah, actually, and it's uh, it's something we've known about, but we've really been um, emphasizing a lot more. And there's a lot of science behind it as being, some would argue, the single most important thing you can do for self-care, and that's a daily gratitude journal. Now, I, I personally don't care to journal. I don't like to journal. I find it annoying if I'm honest with you. Okay. It's, I just don't like it. But every time I've done it in my life, it works. It helps. It brings clarity. It brings perspective. It brings a different focus because all humans do the same thing. We feel what we focus on. So if you're focusing on what's not working, you know, all the negative, all the bad things, and God forbid you're watching a lot of news since you're home more. Or reading a lot of news on your phone, what are you going to be focused on? You're going to be focused on the negative. And then for you're going to feel more negative. So taking breaks from social media, because that's a lot of news bits are in social media, from news itself, taking big breaks from that. Um, I assure you, if there's any huge breaking developments, someone will give you a call. It's okay if you miss a day of news, even taking a whole day of not accessing news. Um, is worthwhile. Identifying the with the gratitude journal, taking breaks from social media news, and just finding one thing that you will feel successful or productive in. And honestly, I don't care if that's just making the bed. If what you did different today was you made the bed, great. That was a success. That was a success. Dave, do you, would you say the same for um, kids as you would with adults or would you try to dig a little bit deeper you know there's hmm. selfishly i ask this question because i do have two children and 
Um, you know, one's in eighth grade, so she's missing out on all the amazing experiences that come with eighth grade, you know, that you wait kindergarten through seventh, and then you become that big eighth grader and you get, you know, it is what it is, you know, that's part of it, but you know, there's a lot of sadness that's coming from it. And then, you know, there, I also have a younger daughter who kind of just is going with the flow and doesn't know as much. And just as long as she gets to play with her friends, she's happy. But here we are coming into another time where she may not be able to play with her friends. Um, And, you know, I feel like I don't always have the right words to share with them in ways that can comfort in, you know, a time that I don't feel comfort myself. Well, and that's one of the great challenges I think we all face in any kind of situation where we know someone we care about is hurting, is we want to make it not hurt, particularly our kids, right? I'd rather hurt than my kids hurt, right? For sure, for sure. I think it's one of the hardest things to do is accept that sometimes things just suck. And we there are no words to make this better. No words have ever been invented that's going to help your eight-year-old be okay not seeing her friends for three months or uh-huh. you know, hopefully, God forbid, hopefully not three months, but you, you understand what I'm saying. Those words don't exist. So once again, going back to my my answer to the question about helping someone that you think may be struggling with mental health issues, empathize, empathize, empathize. Let them know that, of course, they're sad. What what kind of person would they be if they weren't sad that they didn't get to see their friends? I'd be more worried about that kid, right? True. Yes. Yes. And then it's like, okay, this does, once again, I know I feel like I'm a broken record here, saying to them, "I, I know this is really hard and I know this sucks. What can we do to make it suck a little less? What about setting up a, you know, a, a FaceTime with three of their friends to so they can all touch base? My, my daughter teaches third grade and she has like seven kids who are doing NTI and they've all asked her because she logs on for a little while and then she's back in the classroom. Can we stay on the Google and Meet? Talk, to, talk our to our friends. Yeah. And she's like, of course, stay on it as long as you want. Absolutely. So if they don't have that set up, you know, with their school, with everybody going NTI, um, most likely, um, set it up yourself, set up a little Google meet or a team's meeting with their friends and to at least get them that connection. Um, and of course, I'm sure we're all trying to be a little creative and more engaging with, uh, our kids at home. I have a senior and I'm in the same boat. Uh, Right. right, Same boat. Probably not going to be seeing her friends for a little while, not going to school for a little while. And it sucks. Yeah, it does just suck. You're right. Finding some things that they enjoy. I mean, I think the video game sales and the puzzle sales and the sidewalk chalk, <laughs> and, you know, all that stuff has gone through the roof. Um, do the best you can to find those things that at least engage them so that they don't, I don't know about your kids, but mine tends to isolate in her bedroom as a mm. 17-year-old female, um, not to stereotype, but uh, and we we have to do things to kind of get her out, engage. Let's, let's yeah. do something. Find things that you know would excite them in normal times and yes. make it a priority. And yeah. And so I'm really working hard to find a PS5 for her. So if anybody has one, let me, I'm kidding. That's for me. I'm just joking. It's not for my daughter. That's all for me. <laughs> You're making me nervous because that's what my daughter asked for too. And I haven't even started that uh, search. I think I'm in trouble, aren't I? <laughs> You're in big trouble. <laughs> Have you guys seen any positive impacts come out of this to like to mental health or changes in behaviors that are better? Um, I don't know, just anything. Uh, Yeah, I think there's a couple of things. Uh, While we have seen some couples issues spike with 
the pandemic because people the couples are home more. They don't have those outside relationships and activities to kind of um, create buffers and breaks and, and energy for the relationship. Um, but we're also seeing some people who've grown closer, you know, who who are, I guess I would say the people who are taking this as a challenge rather than as a defeat and figuring how do we rise to this challenge and make sure this works as best it can. I've seen people get more projects done around their house, you know, myself included, who's been you know, kicking those cans down the road further and further because they don't have time. Well, I have time at home. Um, connecting more with your your kids. Um, sometimes the kids are so busy with activities and whatnot. You see them in the car and that's about it. You know, maybe you're throwing a hamburger down their throat on the way to practice or, you know what I mean? It's So now family meals can happen more. I, I do think if you embrace it as an opportunity to get back to some of those more traditional values. I'm not like Mr. Traditionalist, but some of that stuff is is really nice. Um, you know, we've had more family dinners where we're all sitting down at the table at the same time than we had before that. So I would call that a positive. I and agree. I will, I'll jump in here. We, I mean, our family is very active and um, we did not have one night free prior to COVID. And, you know, since then you use this example, we've done a hundred puzzles you know, we have movie nights and, mm -hmm. you know, now my only problem is making sure I have the right type of popcorn that the kids want, you know, so <laughs> um, yeah, that I will say, I take that as a um, huge blessing because I think you do forget how crazy your life quickly becomes yep. and it just is your normal routine. And so you don't stop and think about it. And at least for me, um, I've had the opportunity to stop and put some new priorities in place and family dinner is one of them and family movie time yep. and you know yep. just spending time the four of us together which um you know we didn't feel like it was missing before this um right. but when you look back it it certainly was so i do appreciate what that has given to us yeah yeah i think for me too and probably for everyone like this whole year has been a year to reflect on kind of what your life has become <laughs> that sounds yeah. very like big but um right. kind of what your life has become and reflect on where you want to go from here like we for me i'm focusing a lot on um how when things get back to normal what are my priorities going to be when mm -hmm. i can choose what my priorities are because right now we're very we're kind of forced into what our priorities are a little bit yeah. you know, um, yeah, but it's a good time of reflection, I think. And it, I feel like I've grown as a person and I've learned so much about myself that I didn't know um, throughout this year. So I am partially thankful for this. I think there were a lot of things that I personally took for granted. Um, and I I just, I, I hope other people are seeing this as a time of reflection also. Yeah. Uh, that is a good point, and I think just appreciating some of the things, and there's that, that gratitude journal can help facilitate some of that in a more, I don't know, strategic or structured way. Um, and it's also okay to use this time to think about game planning for when we are um, past this thing, which luckily with the vaccines that seem to be coming down the pike is not too far off. Uh, you know, what's the first thing you're going to do? Start game planning, start um, fantasizing that trip. And for me, I can't 
tell you how much I cannot wait to taste the first overpriced warm adult beverage at a rock concert. I'm a big concert guy <laughs> and haven't been for since uh, January, you know? Um, and yeah. so I, I can't, that's going to be the most delicious tasting thing I've, I've ever had in my entire life. Um, so I'm, I'm the anticipation, I guess I've, I've started to click into anticipation now that we do hopefully knock on wood, see a bit of a light at the end of this tunnel. Um, yeah. anticipation is an underrated emotional experience in my opinion. I've always said, you know, uh, going to King's Island and riding the beast is great, but being next in line is the best. <laughs> I love being next. It's the best feeling in the world. That is so true. I love that. I think about um, that. That reminds me like at Cedar Point, the dragster. I remember the yeah. first time I ever rode it and we spent two hours in line and we right. timed it. It's like a 20 second ride. Right. We spent two hours in line for a 20 second ride. And I was like 10. I was so scared. And my dad was like, Libby, it's 20 seconds of your life. You've waited two hours for this. You're going to survive. You're not even going to know you're on a roller coaster because it's only 20 seconds by the time you're on, you're off. Um, and that I just like, I love that analogy. It brought back that memory for me. So I had to share. Um, but that's so true. The anticipation for something yep. is so real. Best day yeah. of vacation is your last day of work. Yes. The day before you go on vacation <laughs> is amazing. I mean, you're just, you're, you're high, right? I mean, you're, you're intoxicated with anticipation. I love anticipation. And the more you can suck the juice out of that, the better. And so I'm, I'm, I'm excited because I just started doing that as we're hearing the reports about the, the vaccines coming out and you know when they anticipate rolling those out. I know it's still a little ways out, but I'm starting, I'm, I'm, I'm starting. Yeah. That helps, it's like so a buoy in water. I feel like we can't end this podcast without talking about some of the resources that St. Elizabeth offers when it comes to mental health. So can you talk about some mm -hmm. of those resources sure. that are available? Us as a resource is a bit of a unique animal. As an employee assistance program, we only work with uh, employers who contract with us to provide the services to their associates. But it, it, it's a, an exceptional robust benefit in that every associate and anyone living in that associate's home has completely free access to eight sessions of counseling that resets every year. Um, so it's not eight per house, it's eight per person in that home. They don't have to be dependent. They don't have to be, if they live under that roof, they have the exact same benefit. We do individual, we do couples, we do families, we do pretty much anything any therapist does. Um, but we can get people in within about 48 to 72 hours. Um, we're on call 24 hours a day. We, we offer trainings to companies. We offer critical instance stress debriefings if they need them. Um, you, you name it, we're going to do whatever we can to help the mental health of that facility and their associates. St. Elizabeth as a whole, obviously, is a full spectrum, full service um, healthcare organization. We have our behavioral health department, which has both psychiatrists, psychiatric nurse practitioners, and outpatient therapists. They are actively taking clients. Um, they, we, By the way, both them and us offer face-to-face, -face, masked, of course, during the session, and also telehealth. Uh, and being new to telehealth, we're all here very pleasantly surprised at how nicely that goes and how there is a very, very little drop-off from an in-person session as far as, um, I don't know, the meaningfulness of the session, the quality of the session. Um, there yeah. doesn't seem to be much of a drop off, if any. And so it's a really nice, convenient, safe way to access mental health services. So that can be done either with EAP or 
if you're not working for one of our companies, our behavioral health department. We also, with our, our St. Louis physician side, with, uh, I don't know how many, I'm sorry, I should know that. Many of the practices, though, have a therapist on site now. And so if you present to your primary care physician and you're struggling uh, in some degree of crisis, they can hand you off to a licensed therapist right then and there. And then you can continue to see them for a, a certain number of sessions to, to get hopefully stabilized and learn some skills and coping mechanisms to make whatever you're struggling with less of an issue for you and or hand you off for more longer term therapy if needed. So it's a great service because so many people access mental health care via their primary care physician. But when you create that gap of, I don't know about you all, but I'm a terrible patient. If my doctor tells me to do something, I don't go home and do it right away. Um, <laughs> and a lot of times with mental health, because so many there's so much stigma still and people feel like it's weird to come and talk to a stranger and all these things. If you can hand them off right then and there, it's a really nice transition. And for those folks out there who might be intimidated or uncomfortable with mental health counseling, I get it. I've been on the other side of that couch. It is a weird and awkward and uncomfortable service to uh, to start with. Um, and I've had hundreds and hundreds of clients who are incredibly nervous their first session. I've never had one regret coming. Not one time. Have I ever heard of someone regretting coming in for therapy, even though they felt weird, awkward, uncomfortable? They're always glad when they came. Always, you cannot begin to understand what it the the sense of comfort and relief and ease that having that focused fifty minute someone's only listening to you and offering compassion and hopefully everything I think feel or say for my clients is an effort to be helpful to them, no strings attached. You don't get that anywhere else. You can't because in a weird way, if I were seeing you, Libby, as a client, I don't care about you which sounds bizarre, but I don't know you. We're not going to go to dinner. We're not going to hang out on, you know what I mean? I, I don't have a vested yeah. interest, but for the time yeah. you're in front of me, everything I'm thinking, feeling, and doing is an attempt to be helpful to you, no strings attached. It's a very different experience. So I get some people aren't ready for it. I do understand that. Um, but I would, if you've ever had the thought that maybe I should call a therapist, maybe I should start therapy, the answer is always yes. I can't, we, we can't promise you better, but people don't walk out worse. You know, it, it really is yeah. a low risk, high yield proposition. It really, really is. For those, okay. real quick, if I could, for those who maybe aren't ready to take that yeah. leap, there are so many resources out there right now. It's not even funny. Um, beyond the internet, um, beyond self-help books, there are a lot of really awesome dynamic apps that are out there. And a lot of them have been made free during this time by the developers, God bless them. Um, even the ones that do charge, they're usually not that expensive. Uh, the one that pops my mind is called Mood Tools. Um, it's an excellent app. I'm not pimping it or, or suggesting everyone go get this one, but it is just an example of an app that's right there at your fingertips at any time you're struggling and you need something to help you put something in perspective, do a, a quick five minute guided meditation, do some breathing, get some reframe, do some journaling, all of those kinds of things that can just help you get onto a solution-focused, uh, coping, resilient path. Uh, and they're quick and easy, and they're in your pocket. They're, they're great. I'm not saying they replace therapy, but they are a great tool that everyone can access. Sorry, I didn't mean to take over the question. I just thought that was important to get out. <laughs> no, I, I love it. Thank you for sharing not only those resources, but your expertise on this topic. Um, sure. I, I think everyone needs to hear 
some of the things that you've said today and just to, everyone should probably take the time to reflect on what we talked about just to make sure that you're prepared when the conversations do come up with your family yeah. or when you are put in these yes. situations that are inevitable, especially at this time of year. Um, so thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate your time. Um, loved having you and I um, hope you have a happy holiday. Thank you. I will do my very best. Same to you. And I appreciate you guys reaching out to us and allowing us to participate. Thanks, Dave. See you next time. Nothing we say in this podcast is representative of any specific plan and should not be construed as legal, regulatory, or accounting advice. If there is any discrepancy between what we say and your plan document, your plan document will always